You are listening to the Wealth Without Bay Street podcast, a Canadian guide to building dependable wealth. Join your hosts, Richard Canfield and Jason Lowe, as they unlock the secrets to creating financial peace of mind in an uncertain world. Discover the strategies and mindsets to a financial future that you can bank on. Get our simple seven-step guide to becoming your own banker. It's easy. Head over to sevensteps.ca and learn exactly the learning process required for you to implement this amazing strategy into your financial life. That's sevensteps.ca. How on earth can you make an amazing income so you can make an amazing impact? How do you go big to give big? That's what we're going to be talking about today. We're joined by Randy Mullen. Now, Randy is the visionary founder of the Go Big to Give Big brand. They've got an incredible podcast, an amazing community. He's an avid endurance athlete, and he's got a commitment to learning how to push the boundaries, not only in his physical, but also his business life. He's on a mission to inspire as many business owners as possible to go bigger with their dreams so that they can give bigger with their profits. And that's really in alignment with us here. And we think that's absolutely fantastic. One of his favorite quotes, of course, is money doesn't change people. It just exposes who they really are. You know, I've heard that quote before from someone else. His name is Jason Lowe. He's with us here today on the podcast, as he always is. And we're excited, uh, Randy, about you being here. You've had an amazing journey. Um, you're, you're a real estate investor. You've created one of the number one real estate masterminds in all of Canada. Um, you've got an incredible story. And so we're excited to have you here to share a little bit about your journey. Tell us a little bit about some of the, uh, as we were saying before, the, the cameras turned on two by four moments that have happened in your life that have led you to, to push through, persevere, and move forward in a positive way so that you can really make an impact in the world. So we're excited to have you. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to be here, guys. Thank you so much. That was a great intro. I loved it. I'm fired up. Let's do this. Okay, so let's start with um, outside of tripping over power cords and knocking everything <laughs> off your desk <laughs> and being in a lot of pain before starting the show. Um, talk to us about what your perspective is on um, the difference between being great and elite. Mm. That's an awesome question and and something I, you know, I study a lot of. I, I love sports. I'm a sports guy. And there's great athletes and there's elite athletes. You know, uh, the elites are people that you just know. They're willing to work harder. They think differently. They operate differently. When you, when you think Kobe Bryant, you think, you know, this guy's brain just saw the court differently and was able to play on a different level. There's great players out there that can make the plays, and, and you can teach them how to do it. But the the elites, it's something that you can't explain. And, and I know Richard and I are in a, a common mastermind that's with visionary entrepreneurs only. And those visionary entrepreneurs just see business a little bit differently than the everyday person. There's a lot of business owners out there that are having great success and are doing great. But to me, the elite is someone that can just see the game a little bit differently and uh, be able to execute on that and step into that greatness and lean heavy on it to be able to achieve so much more than just what the average or, or I'll say great other people are able to do. I love that. Yeah. And it's, um, I, I think that one of the things that always comes up for me too, is that people who are, people who are great want to surround themselves with people who are elite mm. and people who are elite don't want to be around anyone else who isn't. That's it. That's <laughs> or, who it. or who isn't aspiring to be. And it, that the reason that that comes up for me is that when we connect with fellow entrepreneurs who 
really aspire to that and and recognize that they they themselves don't even realize what their potential actually is that when you go into a mastermind type setting so the mastermind that you've curated i would wager that there are people that are a part of that mastermind who are there because they know who isn't going to be there that's it would that that's be a that. fair statement yeah, 100% is a uh, 100% statement. That's part of the reason why I've invested so much into my personal development is uh, uh, quite a few years ago, I was investing, you know, $20,000 a year to be a part of a mastermind down in the States in California. I'm a Canadian business owner. That's kind of rare, you know, uh, as you see in, in business in Canada, not a lot of people uh, go down to the States to learn business. And one of the things that I realized down there is that I was willing to pay for my friends. And that's how I kind of put myself into a bit of an elite category. It's like when you start hanging out with people that are willing to spend $20,000 a year to be a part of a mastermind to learn business, you're hanging out with other people that are willing to do the same. And that's kind of what we curated for our mastermind here. We didn't want it to be a low ticket item. We wanted it to be a high ticket item because we want to draw in the right people. We wanted people to understand that, you know, one connection can make you $100,000 very easily if you make the right connection. But if yeah. you're hanging out with great people, you might not find it. But if you're hanging out with elite people, they come very fast and they come very quickly. And that's something that I've found is when you invest into masterminds, when you invest into yourself and you start playing with the elites, man, one introduction can lead to a $100,000 transaction or deal or you know product overnight very easily where you don't really find as many of those connections uh, in maybe a smaller space. So by playing in that elite space, you never know what's going to happen. It might not be today. You know, you might you might have to be a part of something for a few years, but all of a sudden now, eight years later, I'm reaching back on some of those friends that I met that are elite connections. And I'm like, oh, these connections are still paying dividends years and years and years and years later. It's, it's impossible to monetize or like track the monetization of it. But the elites hanging out the elites, great things happen when you put them together. Well, and you don't even feel the need to track the monetization because it just there's just so much happening, so much abundance that's around you. It's it's abound in, it's almost like it's in the air when you get to have those conversations. Right before we started this podcast, we were having a great collaborative conversation with a, a, a collaboration that we're working together on that's going to be, in my opinion, an absolute game changer. And that came from an introduction founded through uh, similar organizations like Strategic Coach. Um, you know, us getting connected through Justin Breen, who's been on our show before, who's an amazing connector, shout out to Justin, is uh, all about being able to build and create those powerful relationships with people. And we've met some of the most amazing individuals simply because of that one connection born out of a virtual strategic mm -hmm. coach event through three years ago. So you just never know when something's going to come up like that. And I, I'm so glad that you shared all those things. And I'm guessing somewhere along the line, that's what brings you to this 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 visionary idea of how much you want to be able to not just give yourself, but to create an environment, uh, create the an enhanced capacity for others to give. So tell us a little bit about what what bore the go big to give brand. What 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 brought on the idea of the podcast and the community that you're building there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it got brought on from the sense of uh, getting caught up in the capitalist world, uh, playing the game of uh, the hustle culture and working so hard to try and chase financial freedom at 30. I lost one of my best friends when I was 25 years old. He was 42. And I realized like, man, there's so much more to this life than just trying to work until you're 50 and want to retire. And so after he passed away, I Googled how to make a ton of money, never work again. I had this goal to retire by the time I was 30. I built a successful real estate investment company. 
I hustled and grinded and ended up working myself into a non-epileptic seizure and putting myself in the hospital because I wasn't taking care of my body. I was working too hard. I was too stressed out. And I was trying to chase that financial freedom number. When I came out, I heard a podcast with a guy named Cole Hatter and this statement stuck with me forever. He said, if you want to make a million dollars a year, build a business that does 2 million, give a million dollars away and be the happiest millionaire on the planet. And I was like, ooh, that's good. And in the season I was in, that's what I needed to hear. So I decided to build a giving component into all of our revenue stuff. So at the time we had a monthly meetup and it was free. And we said, well, this is easy. What if we just charged $10 at the door, but made it a donation to charity? And we had about 30 people on a monthly basis. And so we were donating about 300 bucks a month. Well, once we added that, that component to it, and we were helping people understand the value of giving, we stood at the front of the room and we said, look, guys, there's 30 of you here. We just helped one kid go through organized sport this month. We want to help two kids go through organized sport next month, which means we need 60 people in here to make a $600 donation. Who do you know that would want to come be a part of our mission? Well, next thing you know, we scaled that to 60, 90, 120 people, and we were supporting four kids on a monthly basis through our meetup. It costs us nothing. It made them accountable to come because they made the donation. And when people pay, they pay attention. And so they would show up. Well, next thing you know, I started understanding this concept that when, when there's a purpose, when there's an impact component to stuff, people generally want to be more involved in it, but I was more inspired to grow it. When it was free and for serving us, ah, it was okay. I didn't put a lot of attention and time and effort to it. When it was for the kids and I started thinking about how many kids I could help get through sport every single month by just putting more people in that room, I got excited again. And the burnout that I had and that exhaustion that I created for myself chasing financial freedom changed when I realized it became about the impact I can make in the world, not about how much money I could have. So uh, we took that, yeah. You Go just ahead. hit the nail right on the head. And because so, and we, we've uh, mentioned this countless times, so many people are chasing financial freedom without ever realizing that it wasn't money that they were really after. Yeah. It, the impact and what I, what comes up for me, what I hear, think about this, this is going to be good for the first time ever live on Wealth Without Pastry. Go big, give bigger. Yeah, I love that, dude. Isn't that that's, good? That's that's it. And that's 100% where the idea came from. So we took that same principle of like, the bigger we go, the more we can give, you know, go big to give bigger, all these concepts, right? And we put them into um, our, our real estate portfolio. So we started donating $10 per door per month from our real estate portfolio. Oh, our five plex donates 50 bucks a month or 10 plex donates a hundred bucks a month and so on and so on. What became that mission again was that I started thinking bigger. I was like, man, I don't want to buy duplexes and triplexes anymore because that's only 20 or $30 a month I can donate. If I can go buy a 20, 30, 40, 50 unit building, now we're able to start making some impact with that. When you yeah. speak in those terms, People want to be a part of what you're creating. When I go around and say, hey, I want to go buy a 20-unit building, people are like, oh, yeah, it must be nice to be able to afford something like that. When I go around and say, hey, I'm going to buy 20 units because it means we can donate $200 a month and put one kid through organized sport every single month that you're a part of investing into this building, people are like, take my money. And that's how we were able to scale and grow our business so fast because we had that purpose and impact on the back end that drove us to think bigger 
but it allowed all of our investors to come in and want to be a part of the impact we were making. And people just felt like they want to be a part of something bigger than what they were just already involved in. So that's the whole principle of go big to get big came from uh, the real estate investing side of the world where we realized that the more doors we could buy, the more kids we could help. The more people we put in our meetup, the more kids we could help. The more money we made, the more we could help. And now I wasn't chasing financial freedom for myself. I was chasing the impact for how many kids that we can put through sport. That's incredible. And and it, I'm glad that your moniker isn't go big, give back bigger because you, you didn't take anything. That's a funny, you just said that. I just had Bob Berg on my podcast from The Go-Giver. I don't know if you've yeah. ever read that book before. Oh, yeah. And he, yeah. And he um, he came on my podcast and that's exactly what he shared. He said, I don't actually like the term giving back because that means you've had to have taken something first. What you do is just giving. You just purely give because that makes you feel good. And you yeah. give because you didn't have to take something first. And so I love that principle and concept. When he explained that to me, I was like, that's it. That's the new way of giving. It's not giving back. It's just giving in general. And think about this. So Rich has uh, a lot of... Uh you know, history and experience as well in the real estate, um, you know, investment space as do I. And what excites you most about that? Like what gets you pumped about the function of real estate investment? Yeah. Real estate investing is just, well, when you read the stat, this is like, like, um, like 80% of all millionaires, 90% of all millionaires are made through real estate. You read that stat and you're like, okay, cool. I just got to do real estate. Like that's, it's, it becomes just a common stable in principle. But when you actually start diving into it, just the diversity that you can get inside of real estate, you can go for cash flow. You can go for principal recapture. You can go for appreciation. You can go for, you know, short-term rentals. You can go into land development. You can become a builder. You can do so many different faucets inside real estate investing, but still have the same core principles of what you're trying to achieve with it. So again, there's making money, there's building wealth, there's creating cash flow, there's building retirement. And so if you start learning real estate on every different level, you can go flip houses to make money, to then go buy apartment buildings, to build cash flow. And then you can take that cash flow and go buy assets, some rich dad, poor dad thinking there. And then you can take those assets and go have the best time of your life. And those are some of the key principles. And you know, I, at a young age, I bought a house and I learned very quickly that you can make very easy money and very quickly in real estate and was able to go buy a rental property with one of my best friends. And we use that rental property to this day to pay for us to go fishing. So the cash flow we make from that rental property pays for us to go fishing. Well, now we have to go fishing because we have no excuse because a lot of the times like, oh, we can't afford it. Now we're like, we got to spend this money from our property because we saved it for fishing. So there's a lot of really cool things that come from real estate more than just buying doors and, and building wealth. It's what you can actually do with the money and the different ways you can play in it. There's no easier way to make a few hundred thousand dollars than buying some properties and flipping it or sitting on it or watching it grow, especially at a young age. Well, and, and with all that being said, there's also the, uh, the other side of the coin, which is sometimes, uh, the best laid plans don't always work out for us. And, uh, I, I know I was sharing earlier, I did a webinar last night and, uh, shared a couple, uh, uh, two by four moments where things didn't always go my way. Um, and some of that in the real estate game. So I'm curious, you know, when, when have you seen, real estate uh, come up where it hasn't necessarily done exactly what we were hoping for. You know, the projections, the things that we try to do didn't always line up. And sometimes whether it was a market condition or something other that happened, maybe with a partnership, what's an example of that where it's come up for you, Randy? And and, and how would you suggest to people? Because today there is a lot of 
dynamic change happening, at least in Canada, certainly I think in North America wide around in general real estate, financing of the real estate, the interest rate environment. So what, what are some tips that you would share with people when you're when you're faced with a uh, a scenario that maybe isn't as uh, robust as you're hoping it once was, and you have to overcome some of those challenges? Yeah, you got three hours to finish this podcast because I got a lot of those stories. So no, I'm, just, I'm just kidding. That's but that's the honest truth, man. It's like I think being part of an entrepreneur is getting hit by that two by four and then having to adjust and pivot. And so you know, I'm going through one right now um, where my my partner and I that bought that house to go uh, pay for fishing, we both wanted to liquidate. We've had a lot of fun with it. We had some equity. We just watched prices skyrocket on homes last year. You know, we had people offering us 950,000 and we're like, ah, do we want to sell? Maybe not. We took our time. And at the beginning of this year, we're like, you know what, let's liquidate it. Let's sell it. So we thought we were going to be ahead of the market. We listed it for uh, 890,000. We're like, we're below 900 where we were getting offers. We're going to liquidate it fast. We kicked our tenants out. So we had no revenue coming in and we're like, let's go. Three months goes by 50 showings, no offers. Four months goes by another 10 showings, no offers. We drop our price to 850. We drop our price to 820. And then just a few weeks ago, we dropped our price to 790. No offers. And so now we're sitting here carrying a mortgage, carrying a property. We kicked our tenants out to sell it. Now we can't sell it. Do we want to sell it? We, you know, when you're talking about 950 and then you drop down to below 800, losing 150 grand in four or five months, it's it's surreal. You're like, whew, split that like $75,000. Hey guys, would you have $75,000 in the bank today or would you not? It's like, that's a tough pill to swallow. And so um, now we're in a tough position where do we liquidate it further to get rid of it since it's empty and vacant? Do we put tenants in it? Because then all of a sudden you're in that challenge where you have to sell a property that's tenanted again. And so it is stressful, you know, putting up money every single month for something that you don't know what you're doing it with. I'm with a partner on that property. So it's not just my choice of if I want to put a tenant in it. He wanted, he had already spent his money on a different, you know, he was renovating his house and he's like, I'm going to take all my money and I'm going to build this gorgeous kitchen. Well, now- his kitchen's not getting built because we can't sell the house. So it, real life in that scenario is challenging. And we have to make some very hard decisions. And we don't even know what we're doing. Like literally, like I have to go to the property tomorrow and, and go mow the lawns and clean it up because we still don't know if we're going to sell it, if we're going to rent it. Nobody wants to rent it because they know we're going to sell it in the new year again, probably. It's a disaster. So that's one example right there of like the the real life trauma that I'm facing. Like everyone's like, oh, it must be so nice to own a house. Yeah, it's so nice until you want to sell it and you can't sell it and you want to rent it, but nobody will rent it. And it's costing you a few thousand dollars a month. And you have to deal with all the trauma and headache and BS that goes with it and your friendship and everything. There's a lot of uh a lot of stress and a lot of stuff going on for one single family home that I thought was going to sell for nine hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year ago. Those are the things that don't show up on the performa when you're no. looking at the next real estate deal. And what I've found is that spreadsheets don't do a very good job of bringing in the emotional uh, aspect. And you know, you identified the partnership, friendship. And when when you're getting deep involved in the real estate game, eventually you run to a point where you, you need to start bringing in joint venture partners. You need to start, yep. you need to do things with other people, investors in some category. It's a relationship business. And what a lot of times I think people who don't realize is how much pressure someone who's you know, leading the charge on acquisition and management of the real estate is put under when they've got other people that, you know, they're responsible to and the market condition shifts and change. There's a lot on your back to try to make sure that you can do the best to make sure that your investors, your joint venture partners are looked after. And sometimes the market condition doesn't make that easy. In fact, it makes it extremely difficult. 
especially, you know, in, in my actual business, as my personal life, in my actual business, you know, we raised, uh, you know, a, quite a bit of significant capital in early 2019 into 2020, and we bought four development properties. Well, I'm sure you can read, read that story of how that's gone, right? It was, a, it was a little bit of a lumber spike, I think, during that period <laughs> of time, wasn't there? Yeah, yeah. And a little bit of a labor shortage and a little bit of interest rate dropping to zero and then interest rates dropping and then interest rates rising to 8%. In And it's absolutely wild. And, um, you know, we went from, I'll be transparent, we went from making about forty or $50,000 a month in fees on the projects to watching them come to a screeching halt and making $0 because our investors are sitting there going, well, you can't get paid if this project isn't going to finish on time and on budget. Your timelines right. just expanded a year. Your budgets just went up 200%. All of our profits gone. And you guys think you can get paid? Nope, that doesn't work. So, you know, when you're, when you're, budgeted and projecting to be doing 40 to $50,000 a month because of these fees and you're building your team and you're scaling. And then all of a sudden that goes to zero and you're like, woo, now what do you do? That's a, that's a game changer. And that was probably one of the hardest things as an entrepreneur in life to realize like, man, real estate doesn't just go up. Things can happen out of the blue. Uh, things are challenging, but as a business owner, that can happen to anybody, right? You can lose your sales tomorrow. So what's your backup strategies? Where are you getting other sources of revenue to help not just one area? We were very, very heavy into that one area. And so when that one income stream got pulled, it was panic mode. What do we do? We have no money. We need to finish these projects. All of our time's still going on it. And how do we go make more money? We can't just go start a new business because we are trying to finish the one that we're in. And so, uh, yeah, there's a lot of uh, challenges we face in that space. I don't want to go too deep into it because that's a whole gauntlet of stuff that we can get into. But as a business owner, that's a challenge. And that wasn't anything we could control. That was 100% a fluke thing that only happens once in so long that you hit this absolute huge crash where we had no control. We did everything right. Our performance were 100%. They're very conservative. Everything was you know, very projected along the way. Our investors were supposed to be making 20 to 25%. And we were supposed to be making about the same. We're like, man, there's 40% returns there before we even have to start thinking about you know, losses. Well, now we have to start having some of those conversations. Timelines have gone up, construction, all that stuff. And that wasn't because we were bad operators just the market changed and caused us to be in this situation. So you can be the best real estate investor in the world, but you can't predict what's going to come, come, come down the pipeline. Become your own banker and take back control over your financial life. Hey, is this even possible? You may be asking, can I even do this? Well, you better believe it. In fact, it's easy to get going. So easy that we've put together a free report, seven simple steps to becoming your own banker. Download it right now. Go to 7steps.ca. That's 7steps.ca. Now let's get back to the episode. I'll tell you, it, one of the things that we've found so incredibly valuable is um, embracing continuing capital surplus reserves. And so to, to give you an example of that, hopefully this is helpful. You may already be doing this, but we take a percentage of every gross revenue dollar and we set it aside as a continuing capital surplus reserve. So when we, if, if I take you back to March of um, 20, when, when was it? 2020. We're in imminent. So we're back in March of 2020. We're sitting down with our team and we knew that lockdowns were imminent. And I, I was trying to think, how do I show up for my team? in a way that 
is going to be um, absolutely truthful and authentic and reassuring. And one of the things that I could immediately fall back on was our capital surplus reserves. And so I shared with our teammates, I said, look, some of you are in fear, some of you are in anger, some of you are in a combination of both because there's an absence of, of control. We don't know what really the fallout's gonna be. I'm not in either one of those lanes. And I want to help address this with you by letting you know we have enough continuing capital surplus reserves to keep the lights on if we did no business from this date in March in 2020 to this date in March 2021, if we didn't do one lick of business, everybody who's on the team today is going to be on the team today a year from now. So let's take that worry and alleviate it so we can focus on serving the people. And I'm, I'm so glad that we did a bit of that. Doubled that year. Oh, that's, that's huge. And that's huge. If you can stay in the game. I mean, we, we have a, a principle of delayed gratification. You know, we easily could have taken out uh, massive paychecks from the company the previous year, done stuff. And we did a similar thing of like, let's just get through these developments. You never know what's going to happen. The more cash we have in the bank, the better we are. And so we chose the, the principle of delayed gratification that, yeah. hey, if we stack those reserves, keep our modest salaries and do what we have to do. And also when you're working with investors, if something like this does happen and you're driving around in a Ferrari and and they're looking at their returns go down, it's it's not a very good look. So we did uh, reserve us and that allowed us to make decisions that weren't panicking, right? Yeah. We didn't have to make panic decisions of, holy smokes, what's the next move this month? We knew we had the ability to keep the lights on. You know, we did a few things like, hey, you know what? We should go work from home instead of the office. We don't need the office anymore. Let's just get out of that payment. Let's do some other things to make sure that our reserves go even longer than we had anticipated. But then you also listen to Grant Cardone and Grant Cardone says, you know, when when everyone is contracting, you should be expanding. So, yeah. so then it's this hard game of like, oh, this one thing is contracting, but where can we go expand in other places? And that's where we tripled down on our mastermind and said, you know what? I like this idea of if the world's going into a bunch of kerfuffle and troubles and, and people don't know what to do, what's the one thing they're going to want? They're going to want to bounce ideas off each other and have a support system. So that's when we tripled down on building our mastermind because we knew that there was going to be so much need for support in this. And we didn't know what it looked like. We didn't know if it was in person, online, or what it looked like. But what we knew, we said, if we put 20 of the top business minds or real estate minds together, we can we can survive these problems together better. And so when everyone was contracting and, and very nervous, we were expanding and trying to grow this high ticket, high caliber mastermind, which we launched in the middle of the pandemic in 2020. And so you can imagine trying to run an event and put people together and everything in there. Lo and behold, three years later, we're top mastermind in Canada. It's high ticket item. We've got 75 plus members now. We do three events a year all over Canada and one international event and this huge thing. So oftentimes in some of the worst situations, great things can be birthed from it or come from it as long as you don't have to operate from, oh my God, where's my next dollar coming tomorrow? Precisely. Precisely. It's amazing the shift that it can make. And you know the thing is that not... Not everyone understands that that's the case until they've gone through that experience. They've either felt it somewhere along the line or they've witnessed it closely with someone maybe yeah. that they know and see. 
And one of the key advantages I think that that we have is if we're looking for it and we're aware, we're open and we're and we're thinking about, okay, where is there a lesson for me to take? And often the lesson can be not just from within, but it can be from your surroundings. And if you recognize and see what's happening in, for other people, things that aren't going the way that you would, you, you know, geez, you know, I'd probably choose to do that differently. Or I see what happened over there based on that decision-making process. Maybe I'll take a different track for myself. You have the ability to glean these insights and then start to implement them in your own actions. And I think fundamentally, what's one of the advantages of having you on the program today, Randy, is that you're able to share some of these stories, some of the hardships that have come to you, the two by fours that have that have hit, not including the the floor, which is kind of like a two by four that you <laughs> landed on before our podcast started. But to to these are the lessons and stories that I think not only help inspire people, but help them recognize, look, you're not a lone wolf out there. You, you, you might be experiencing challenges in your own life. But no, no one is uh, able to, you know, bypass those things. We all experience them in some way. It's how we deal with those experiences when they show up that really makes a difference. And so if you take anything from this, this episode today, it's really recognizing that you have an ability to show up and make decisions and you're empowered to make those decisions. And, and you can take these kind of inspirational uh, conversations to, to use as a guide along the way and along the path. So yeah. love that and, and, and appreciate that. And so I'll, I'll transition a little bit for you here into something that came to me. So as I was going through a lot of these challenging times, I was being very called to step into go big to get big at the time. Didn't know what that meant, but I knew, you know, real estate was challenging. The mastermind was growing and challenging at the same time, but I was being very called to go into this thing called go big to get big and, uh, you know, launching the podcast and all this. And one of the things that I remembered is that Sometimes you need to get a little bit more grittier, a little bit more challenged. You need to step into, you know, getting away from complacency. And so one of the things that I did is I signed up for a challenge called 29029 Everesting. And so for anyone that's in Canada, um, we went to Whistler and we hiked up Whistler and gondoled down eight times for the equivalent height of 29,029 feet, which is the height of Mount Everest. And it was, uh, it's an organized um, event. It's, there's about 250 people there. And it was in those moments where I found a whole different side of myself. It was, you know, when, when you were just talking about, you know, getting through some of the pains and struggles and you have to find a different gear, you have to do things differently. I used physical fitness to prove to myself that I was harder than and, and better working than any of the challenges that I was going to face right? I might be struggling over here, but I'm still gritty. I still got this, you know, elite mentality inside of me where I'm going to go to that mountain and nobody can stop me from the efforts that I'm going to put out. And so I hiked all the way through that entire event, 23 hours straight, didn't stop. Um, and, uh, ended, ended up finishing like third of 250 people. Cause I hiked through the night. I finished at three 45 in the morning, uh, freezing cold on the top of Whistler in, in October. And it was in those moments where I found something different inside of me. It was like, you know what, when, when everyone says the bar is here and it can't be done and that's where it is, I went to go prove that I could set my personal bar higher. And that's when I started getting into like ultra running a little bit and finding more challenges. I ended up doing David Goggins four by four by 48 challenge, four miles every four hours for 48 hours. I just went and ran 28 K trail runs. Like I'm starting to use the physical fitness world to remind myself of how capable I am of pushing myself further than I think. And then I relay that back into business where I'm starting to build a new program and go big to give big called the fractional chief giving officer, where we go and build all of the giving initiatives for organizations. And so 
it's never been done before. I, I Maybe it's been done, but I haven't found an organization that's built a consulting company like I'm doing. I've had so many people tell me it's not possible. I've had so many people tell me we're in a recession. Nobody's going to pay for you to come in and run their impact. It's a high ticket item. But here I am with this elite attitude going, yeah, that's what you think, but you're not talking to the people I'm talking to. You're not talking to the people that are making more money now than they ever have before in the middle of a recession. You're not talking to the people that actually care more about the impact they want to make in this world than the money they have in their bank account. And they'd rather hire someone to do that stuff. So that's how I'm correlating now the, the endurance side of my life of pushing myself to a new new brink so that when I go into the business side, it's like, you know what? I am a little bit more above than the average person thinks or knows because I'm pushing myself harder and I can achieve more. So just wanted to share that as for your audience as well, is that when things get tough in business, you don't have to try and grit out business. You can go grit out your personal life and find a new level for yourself and then bring it back into the business space. That is, um, there, there are several sharp examples of that when you surround yourself with elite people. Yeah. And so when you, when you look at the mastermind that you've got going on, your, your impact initiative, the, um, just the people that you're surrounding yourself with, and then you look at the function of real estate investing, you've got all these great things going on, but what is bringing you the most energy? Uh, the most energy right now is this concept from a mutual friend of ours, uh, Mark Fujiwara. And yeah. one of the things he he taught me was that um, when you understand what your energy is and what makes you happy, um, you can start relating that to other scenarios. And so here's what he did. He told me, go into your calendar and everything that you do, rate it energetically how you leave that. Minus two, minus one, zero, plus one, plus two. So I was going through my calendar and finding other things and I would leave a phone call or a meeting and I'd be like, oh, I just feel deflated. Minus one. Talk to somebody else. I'm like, that person's not something I want in my life. Minus two. And then I'd have a conversation with someone. I'm like, that's a plus two. I want more of that. Well, what I found is there's a direct correlation um, a to the things that I love doing, which is go big to get big right now on the podcast. And, you know, every podcast episode is a plus two for me. Well, if it's a plus two, record more episodes. If it's, you know, talking to people about giving back, do more of that. Real estate is challenging me a bit, you know, maybe in the minuses. Well, maybe do less of that. Step back from it a little bit. So I'm actually giving my my partner in the real estate space a lot more of the reins to the company and saying, I'm actually finding myself more excited over here. But it's also about the people that I'm meeting. When I talk to plus two people, they introduced me to plus two people. And so when, you know, when, when um, Justin Breen introduces me to Richard and says, this is a plus two human, I just know it's plus two because when I talk to Justin, it's plus two. So plus two people introduce you to plus two people. Minus one and minus two people will introduce you to minus one and minus twos. So when you take that principle and concept into your life for everything you do, I only hang out and play in plus one, plus two all day. If I don't like, like recording podcast plus two, this is a plus two moment for me. I love you guys. I'm having fun. My energy is great. I only try and do things that are plus twos in my life now. And if it's not serving me and I rate everything still every day as I go through it, and if it gets to be minus one or minus two, I look at how do I leave it? How do I exit it? Who, how do I not talk to that person anymore? And there's a hundred percent direct correlation that the minus ones in my life that were there, every time they made an introduction to me was to another minus one or minus two. I couldn't get away from it. Yeah. Plus ones and plus twos, only plus ones and plus twos. And I live the best day of your life. I just talk to the most amazing entrepreneurs in the world that are game changers, elite people, because I'm an elite person. 
that want to do really good stuff, that care more about impact, that care more about income. And they just keep introducing me to more of the same types of people. And it's just driving me to do that. So I don't know if that directly answers what you're you're asking there, but this, this energy that gets created is you don't leave a conversation feeling worse than when you went in. I yeah. feel better leaving every conversation. Yeah. And shout out to Mark. He's a great guy. He he sent me one of the most amazing gratitude videos um, a couple of weeks back. And it was incredible. He's, he's an amazing human being. I like him yeah. a lot. We're, we're going to do some, we're going to do some big things together. We've probably had uh, 10 phone calls this week about uh, a really cool giving initiative around mental health that we're going to launch um, and do some really cool stuff. But again, it's all been plus two. Like it's like we, anytime we chat to each other, we leave it and we text each other going like plus three. Like that's just a different level of energy we're getting leaving these conversations that him and I are talking about wanting to build this really cool giving initiative that he had an idea for and I'm helping execute on it. And it's just those kinds of conversations. I'm like, I want more, dude. Mark, call me more, call me more. And so we just like end up having more and more conversations because I just feel so inspired leaving them that it's not about the amount of work I do in a day. It's the amount of productivity that I get done. And my productivity goes through the roof when I'm super energetic and and excited about what I'm doing as opposed to miserable and grumpy about it. So a couple of key takeaways from that, from our list for our listeners and viewers that if you find yourself in an energy draining environment, you have the ability to control the environment that you not only enter, but that you decide to stay in or get out of. And Finding your unique ability, I think, is super important as well. And that's that's a whole um, philosophy that was born out of the Strategic Coach Program. Shout out to all the Strategic Coach uh, folks who are just incredible. Dan Sullivan in particular. Recognize that discovering your unique ability is one thing and then determining, okay, what activities personally, professionally, am I going to amplify and do more of in my life because it draws out more of my unique ability. It fascinates me. It energizes me. And how am I going to systematically get rid of people, processes, um, initiatives, projects, the list goes on and on, the things in my life that are energy draining because someone else, what frustrates you may be fascinating and energizing to someone else. 100%. And then, but when you establish your criteria of these are the who's that I will associate with in my life, and these are the people who do not possess the optimum mindsets of those who I most love to surround myself with and serve and and help. Boy, uh, the the progress that you achieve in your life it, the, it accelerates so much faster because you could just like you lit up like a Christmas tree when you started talking about yeah. how you've gone into your calendar and you're assigning these degrees of minus one plus two. Um, get rid of all that negative stuff. It's not serving you and it's definitely not serving the person on the other end of it. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm probably a minus two to the people that think I'm a minus two. I'm a different energy. I'm a visionary entrepreneur. I have no time for people that want to talk about, you know, the, 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 uh, nuts and bolts of tiny little things. Like, come on, let's move on from that conversation. I'm already bored. Like, let's go. I'm probably yeah. a minus two to a lot of people in this world. 
But that's what I got clear on was like, it does, I don't have to be a plus two to everybody. I have to be a plus two to the plus twos, right? To my circle of influence. And so uh, I, I just love the the simplicity of it. I'm a very simple human and anybody can do it and build your own circle of plus twos. And then you don't have to worry about anything else going on. And you'll only get, like I said, introduced to people that are very similar to yourself and want to do the same things that you want to do. And I even took it further and um, in my go back to get big, I just hired an executive assistant. And I said, you know what? I've worked so hard on hiring based on the principles of of their um, resumes and what they've done. I'm like, I'm going to hire this person on the single principle of plus two. So I did five or six interviews and I asked questions and did what you're supposed to do. And I brought the right people in, make sure they're skilled. But I just trusted my gut and said, after any interview, I just put minus one, minus two, zero, plus one, plus two. And I found one person that was a plus two. And I was like, I just loved talking to that girl. She was great energy. She had all the right things. I was like, her qualifications weren't as strong as people in the field. I was like, you're hired. She's like, what? And I was like, I don't need anything more. I'm just going to hire you based on this principle that you're a plus two in my life. She's like, sure. I don't even know what you're talking about. And, uh, <laughs> and, and I hired her. She's been amazing. She matches my energy. She gets it. We get along great. We can talk. You know, she understands some of the principles that are going on in my life versus someone who maybe more qualified, but I would butt heads with all day long, be hard to work with. So I'm trying these new principles out everywhere in my life, even in hiring where it's not about the qualifications they have. It's about this person's working beside me 24 seven. They have to be able to handle my energy and know my principles and core values of who I only hang out with. And she fits that role. So she's learning the skills very easily as long as she fits good into my plus two life. Incredible. That's the one thing about this mastermind that you've created. When you enter a mastermind group and your gives are bigger than your asks, uh, you truly leave with a mastermind? That's it. <laughs> See, Rich, I knew Rich would like that one. How, how, how many how many episodes have you been waiting to to throw that in there is what I'm, I know, what I'm been, curious about. It's just been lingering there. It's just not <laughs> the right opportunity to, to, to let that out. But um, yeah, see, this is what happens when elite people hang out together. Well, we, uh, we've absolutely loved having you on the program, Randy. This is incredible. Uh, so much uh, wonderful value. Love all the different initiatives that you're doing and how all those initiatives are tied to something much bigger than yourself, having a future that is much greater, much brighter than your past, uh, something that we resonate with here. And so, you know, as we, as we think about and reflect on everything that you shared with us today, um, my question for you is, as you, as you consider what your future holds and what you're going and setting about to do, who would you say you most want to be a hero to? Mm. There's, there's two things to that. <clears throat> One, I'm a big family man. Um, I don't have kids yet, but I'm going to have kids. And part of what I want to build now is that I want my kids to see that anything's possible. I want them to believe that they can go out and challenge the status quo, challenge the norm and go after different things. So that's one of them. But the the one that's driving me today, because I don't have kids, is, is I want to set the example for entrepreneurship and capitalism. Like I want capitalism to be gone where you build a business and all you do is make money. Well, those, those days are gone. Why would you care so much about making money and not about making impact in this world? So I really want to set a standard for what entrepreneurship looks like. And I want to be a role model to all the new kids coming out of school that are building businesses. I can't change an old person, can't change an old dog to do new tricks. I understand that. 
But what I can do is set the example for what new entrepreneurs are looking like and that creating some element of impact or social responsibility or giving back inside your business. Like it's just a common principle. Like that's just how you build a business. It's not, it's not like, Oh, I'm special because I added a giving component. It's like, Oh, you don't have one. Why would anyone ever buy your product or service? That just doesn't make sense to me. That's the world that I'm trying to create. And one of the plus two conversations I had with a guy walked me through that where he said, Randy, what you're doing is really cool, but how are you going to make generational impact? You need to start working with kids in high schools and middle schools now so that as they come out of school, the only principle they know is that business is done to do good in the world. And because you do good in the world, you can get paid as much as you want. That is the theory that I want to recreate and make and inspire people with. So that's kind of my answer to that one is I really want to uh, leave an imprint on entrepreneurship to the newer generation to see that business can be done completely differently than the way we've done it in the past. Oh, that's terrific. Excellent. Yeah, Love thank it. you. Thank you so much for being with us, Randy. And uh, this was a great uh, conversation. Say hi to Mark for us. Say hi to Justin for us. And uh, to all our viewers and listeners, uh, you just saw the next video show up in the playlist that we've recommended to you. There's a reason we recommended it. There's no destination or landing spot as it relates to your knowledge. So continue your journey of learning. Watch that next video that we've recommended to you. Guys, have an outstanding rest of your week. And we're going to include some links in the show notes so that viewers, listeners um, will uh, provide you with those details so you can get better acquainted with Randy. And Randy, go big, give big-er. I love it, gentlemen. Thank you so much for having me on the show. It's been a ton of fun. And I look forward to uh, continuing some plus two conversations with you guys. Thanks for listening to the Wealth Without Bay Street podcast, where your wealth matters. Be sure to check out our social media channels for more great content. Hit subscribe on your favorite podcast player and be sure to rate the show. We definitely appreciate it. And don't forget to share this episode with someone you care about. Join us on the next episode where we continue to uncover the financial tools, strategies, and the mindsets that maximize your wealth.